Welcome to Out of Rich Darkness. I'm Camille Savage-Kroll. And I'm Elena Chia. We're both professors at the University of Music in Freiburg, Germany. In this podcast, we reimagine the ways in which we learn and make music and explore how it can be part of a holistic, healthy way of being in the world. For our second season, we've brought in some help in the form of experts from different fields, ranging from environmental activism to visual arts, who can help us see where our blind spots might be and inspire us to dream bigger. Today's episode is a continuation of last week's conversation with London-based artist Stella Wally. You used to teach art students at university. Yeah. So you told me about taking them to a residency in Italy and how you felt that was really necessary for them to get out and um, out of the academic setting to just create. Could you talk a little bit about that and also how the work um, was influenced by that setting and how it was different from the work they were doing in a university yeah. setting? It was, it was great. Um, I took my MA students and BA students, fine art students, um, from Buckinghamshire University to uh, a place called Terracina in Italy. Uh, and a friend of mine had two large farmhouses, rustic farmhouses up the mountain that he'd done up and put these beautiful antiques in. And Does he want some all- concerts? Sorry, no, no, musicians go there as well. You know, he's 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 open to all sorts of people going there, and uh, there's also classical music events happening in the area. Um, and what happened was, uh, yeah, I took my students there, and they, um, it was it was great because they're up this mountain, they're not, you know, they're, they're there, and they can work in any space around the houses. And my friend Randy was really helpful, giving them materials, anything they needed. Some of them got, he got all these antique furniture and fabrics out and some of them would dress up and be photographed. And then we recreated one of his old paintings (laughs) and we all posed as the characters. And that was taken um, by one of the other students. I'm just looking at it now. It's a photograph. I don't know whether I can show it to you. Do you want to see it? Sure. <laughs> show it to you. See if I can describe it. <laughs> you can see this. So they wow. made cherubs at the bottom. <laughs> the two boys called James, both called James. And they were, they were lying on big, big sort of foam things to make, look like clouds, you know. The, <laughs> They're ho- holding mobile phones, and I'm the one on the right. But I, send, I can send you the picture. Uh, that would be excellent. And uh, the guy who runs it is the guy on the left. So it's all very classically arranged, and it was a, a recreation of one of the paintings. But um, when the students got... So this would be in the summer months. So when the students came back, they, they made work out there. Then we'd have an exhibition... On the, in the grounds and it and Randy would invite all these people from the local area uh, uh, from the arts background and everything and um, we had an event and they invite local musicians that pay the folk those folk 
instruments, whatever they call. I'm not very good at this. <laughs> oh, there was the accordion thing uh, going on. And um, when the students came back to the college in September, they their work, they got so much material from that experience that they then built their next body of work for their final exhibitions. And it just moved them on so much and they responded to that experience really positively and used that in their presentations and their final work, and which became very ambitious. And I think it just, got them out of that um, routine of an academic institution. Although there were some fantastic facilities there, it, it got them away from that so that they got more, became much more creative and felt relaxed to respond to things. And then when they got back to the college, they could then use those facilities to develop their ideas that they started on the residency. Mm. So that's what was really good. And to see some students really blossom and change. And, uh, you know, yeah. it was very good. So do you think that actually the combination of leaving the institution and then coming back to it was very fruitful? Yes, yeah. And, and they came back to it in a completely different way because they had more confidence that they had done something in one week where they'd been very independent, left to their own devices in what they wanted to do, but had support from me and Randy to make sure they had all the materials and everything they wanted out there and that they could just be creative and there wasn't any uh, demands on them for, for assessments or deadlines or also peer competition or any of that. Right. So do you think it is possible for creation to happen entirely in institutions or is that, is that um, an illusion (laughs) or if it is possible, what, what would we need? What kind of framework would we need in institutions to make creation really possible? difficult one that it yes it is possible uh it depends on the students it, it, it all depends on the student and the staff and how they use that environment but sometimes it can be really difficult for them if they're getting lots of different advice during the process of making and they get put off mm. or they find the timetabling wrong or they're not getting enough time. Um, you know, I found that some, some of the more mature students, not just in age, but in the mentality, they, they would be able to be more creative because they would like go, okay, well, I'll take that from what that tutor says and that's from what that tutor says and I'm going to do this. So they may be more independent. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. But yes, it, I don't know. There was something about that residency taking students on a residency uh, where they could just experience a whole different. It was it was just freer. Mm-hmm. It was very free. I can totally relate to that, and I also, I'm a they, big believer in doing project work. 
Yeah, I'm, oh, oh. <laughs> well, what I mean is, like, rather than um, an academic course that kind of goes on and meanders and doesn't really have a, mm. a, a goal, I like to have limited projects mm. that are like a week long or two weeks long. Yeah. And you know you're going to get something out of this two weeks or, or you're not. But, mm. but you have something to do for these two weeks and there is a, a goal. You're trying to create yeah. something during these two weeks. It's a, it yeah, seems yeah. to be you know, more of a, a graspable amount of time than two semesters. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking about when you said projects, like sometimes there's been projects set that they've set every year to every student. And you think, oh, I'm not, but they're setting a subject matter. Oh, so everyone has to do the same thing. Yeah, well, it just gets quite restrictive. Um, whereas when we were in Italy, this wasn't, this was like, you're here, you may, res you can respond to anything you want in the environment. Or you may be looking at some people making uh, paintings that may have just done with the colouring, the colour of the sky or, you know, taking certain elements. Yeah. So it, it was much looser. But these were students who, obviously, they weren't in their first year. Yeah. They were either third year BA or MA students. So mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to know what to do with freedom, right? Yes. And also what materials they take. And I'd, I'd give them advice before. I so said, don't take too much. Just take what you're comfortable with, what you're comfortable using. Uh, you know, because the, there's limited resources there to buy art materials. And uh, so, mm -hmm. but um, yeah. It, and then if you want to try something totally different, then you can do that, you know. But uh, yeah, they worked really well. Great. Well, also apropos the institution, I remember you telling me that at a certain point you gave a talk and a friend of yours told you that you had become institutionalized. Oh <laughs> what, what does that mean? <laughs> How would you describe oh, that? Well, at first, when he told me, I was shocked. And, and then I realized, and I watched the video of, of me being interviewed for this exhibition and I thought, what are you talking about? Why are you talking like that? You know, and serious, <laughs> you know. And I, it was this language, it was the academic language, and it was just that's what I think he was getting at. You know, this wasn't Stella who's like sparky and you know, excited about making work and doing this, it was like very serious stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And then, so when he said, Stella, you really came across institutionalized. Ah, oh, I thought, right, I've got to do something about this. And I knew I'd, I'd been teaching for nearly 30 years. And I thought, oh, I've got to do something about this. And this is when I first went on a residency just for one week in 2013 in Italy. Mm. And I loved it. I just went there really open-minded. Uh, I was probably the eldest person on the group, in the group, but uh, <laughs> I just loved it because I went with an open mind. I just thought, right, just make anything I want to make. And this is when I started doing 
an installation uh, across these gates of this palace. Uh, I bought a big, a big ball of this black wool from the local market and I just created a black curve by threading across these gates, which mm. created a curve. <laughs> um, and I did all sorts of other pieces of work as well, just within one week, and we had this exhibition. And we were out partying every night. This, this place was called Atina, <laughs> and it, it, obviously the place is jumping every night. I'm very quiet during the day, except for the <laughs> artists walking around, picking up stuff, you know. But I, I loved it, and it just freed me up and made me so happy just that one week. And then I thought, right, this is it. I'm not, because my work in colleges had always restricted me to have time to develop my own practice. And um, I was getting tired out, really, with the traveling and commuting, and then what going into a studio or saying to myself, what was I doing? two or three weeks ago where was i you know and not having that continuity of making mm. my work so then i realized that things had to change i also absolutely relate to that <laughs> um talking about our responses to art and to music you told me about a concert you went to where they played a contemporary piece of classical music and where you didn't know how to respond to it. And I can understand that pretty well as a musician because I've had a similar, I've had a similar experiences myself with other pieces of music. Um, and then I wonder, now this is not a general thing that I can say about visual art or music, but generally if I go to an exhibition of contemporary art, I can have a reaction to what I see there, even though I don't have schooling in art. But why is it, do you think, that people who don't have any training in music, um, or even people who do have training in music, like me, will sometimes not know how to react to this contemporary music? Oh, that's a question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> qualified to even answer that I you know <laughs> as I say I've, I don't think I've experienced enough to be able to talk about uh, this this music I mean as I say I went to this concert where there was a classical I can't remember who was playing now it was a classical piece of music playing and then there was this composer who made a contemporary piece and got the orchestra to play it and I was trying to find a way of getting into the idea of the work or what, what it was about or, and it, I couldn't, I couldn't get any emotion. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get any connection with it, but maybe that's because I'm not, I haven't heard enough. Well, that's, I mean, that's an interesting response because I mean, for me, I could say the same about art, you know, maybe I haven't seen enough. And so I don't know how to reference this. But then on the other hand, I think there is some, um, there's some element of being self referential, 
maybe both in, in any kind of art, that if, if art becomes so self-referential that it doesn't draw on real life anymore, then it's, it's very difficult to reach people with it. And so when I, when I look at a piece of art and I recognize something, I, I'm, I always have my eyes open, so I'm seeing things in real life. So if I can recognize something, then I have an, I have an idea about it. I have a feeling about it, and maybe it's not what the artist wanted, but I have something. And so when you say that, that makes me think, well, maybe we're not t- drawing enough on real life in music. Maybe we're not listening with our ears open in everyday life. Mm. And we're a little bit too stuck in the concert hall. Yeah. I, and, and another thing in the context of, you know, seeing an art piece in a gallery, you may also see next to it a small statement or some information in a pamphlet or a catalogue. Now, at this concert, I didn't see anything about this contemporary piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wonder whether they'd actually practiced in front of a private audience and did a critique on it and asked them what they thought of the piece before they went to play in a big, massive hall uh, at the Barbican. You know what? I have played a lot of contemporary music and I have never experienced that. I have never experienced that we play for a small audience and get feedback. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Isn't that something that maybe we should take on? (laughs) And and also what type of audiences? I mean, an audience like me, a few people that have no idea (laughs) about contemporary music, but, uh, or an audience that as well, that may be students of music that do have an idea. And Mm -hmm. I think it would be really good for, do you do that with your students though? That is you know, I, first of all, I just think that's an, a really brilliant idea. With my students, my students are not really composing formally. We do, we improvise and we we improvise in public also. We do these little concerts in a cafe in, in Freiburg, yes. which is also my idea of taking the musicians out of the institution so that we can create freely and have our fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we interact with the audience then. Yeah. And, and and it's very spontaneous. It's happening on the spot. So it's not necessarily something that we're going to repeat the next time, but there is then, there's something that we can take with us for the next time we do that. Um, but that is such a brilliant idea to invite an audience to actually give us feedback about what we're doing. And then... Uh, one thing we do in the university, which is always a good thing, is we uh, is set up, critiques and it will be amongst a group of students um, from maybe two different years or something and there'll be a student who presents their work in a very clean white space so that they've got like a gallery space and they present their work and then uh, I make a list of questions and give them to the audience and then they respond uh, to the student's work. And through that practice, 
it's really good for the student who's presenting. It doesn't have to say much, but then they hear, they, I, I say, don't say anything about your work. Let people talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so that they can listen to what people are saying and make mm-hmm. notes. And, and then for the audience, it's good for their critique. So idea of assessing, you know, and eventually self-assessment um, to sort of, respond and gives them confidence to uh talk about other people's work mm, um right and you know it i said look you know it's, it's not about being polite all the time you know but i want you to tell tell me what you think you know <laughs> so yeah it's a good way to get that dialogue and conversation going between the group and their work and it's really good for the student who's presenting to walk away with uh, either a positive usually it's all positives that are given but there may be some negatives but the negatives will be positive if you know what I mean because the constructive like constructive saying well you could have presented this in a better way um, you know this have you thought about or have you seen this have you researched that this gives yeah. me the idea of such and such, you know, uh, I like this about it, but um, that's not helping it or, you know. So you're picking out the qualities, the good, always the positives, but, and, and, you know, picking good things, but also pointing out things that aren't working as well. So, and if I'm- that... You know, I, I, you know, if that's overseen by a member of staff, then you can keep it, keep the dialogue going, chairing it. I love this idea also of of opening this up to the public because then you are empowering people to also talk to and about art mm. and artists. Whereas I think a lot of people are are shy about talking about their reactions to a piece of art or a piece of music because maybe they're afraid they're going to say something stupid and and this is inviting their response and and really legitimizing it and honoring it and so it seems like a win-win-win situation well that's what was good about Aubrus the audiences there weren't necessarily weren't necessarily all visual artists as you know there's musicians there. There's also writers, exactly. performers. So uh, it's interesting when you're doing that to an audience of people, creative people in all different genres and uh, mediums. So that was good. Right. So yes, to an audience, that's the general public. Um, very interesting. And this cafe thing that you're doing sounds, sounds interesting, taking them there and uh, maybe getting them, maybe getting that cafe audience to have a uh, questions and answers, or maybe write some things, getting them to write things down. Or I, I think know. we will definitely implement that in the future. Mm-hmm. And and another, my last question really is is kind of um, an appeal, which we're going to be asking lots of different people. It's that classical music audiences tend to be of a very specific subsection of society. They are usually wealthy, they're older, white people, educated. And 
it seems like such a conundrum. How do we open up classical music to a wider audience? And how do we also let ourselves be influenced by other kinds of people? Do you have any ideas for us? Um, I, I was thinking about that. I, there's, um, I've forgotten his name now. This, uh, I'll have to send it to you, but there's a guy that's been on TV a lot here. He does it with groups of people from various communities, but he's, uh, he creates choirs, singers, uh, from various, you know, he might go into a rundown estate and there might be, he'll create with a group of youths, uh, a choir. Um, uh, and also, you know, how classical music has been crossed, brought into various other genres of music. Like, I like listening to some reggae music that has string sections. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know, maybe very different. Um, also playing in playing, as you say, you're playing at this cafe, but playing at different, um, to different audiences, different locations, publicly, spontaneously, mm -hmm. setting it out on the street somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> right, which is what we're doing now anyway, because we can't play in halls yes, at the moment. Course. Of course, of course. So that's, that's the opportunity. I did years ago, uh, I did an interactive piece with the public. It was called I Can Read Your Thoughts. And it, I had these chairs. The chairs were chrome frames that I found outside my studio at the time. And I made the seats for them because they had no seats. And mm -hmm. on the seats were these metal plates that had been etched uh, drawings and texts by various people in their response to a chair, what they felt about a chair, simple concept. And so I invited, I'd go out and ask lots of people to write their responses and it, get some really interesting responses about, uh, there'd be a little drawing maybe, this is my grandma's chair and it's folded into her shape, it's very old, you know, or, little narratives about chairs and uh, one of my MA students he did a series of sofas and had numbers of how many times he'd had takeaways on the sofa how many times he'd had sex on the sofa <laughs> it was all these little narratives and these plates were put on the chairs and then these chairs were displayed on mirror plates because they had text underneath them as well and uh, they were displayed outdoors in Birmingham uh, in the Midlands uh, and there's a large Asian community in Birmingham and I had about a thousand people came to see the work and I'd asked them if they wanted to make have a chair made up with an idea so they could write to me and uh, just an A4 piece of paper with some text on or a little drawing or anything you like and then they gave them to me and I would make up a chair and then the following months, they'd see their work in the gallery, the museum there, which is a very sort of established sort of, the, you know, the Birmingham City Art Gallery, you know, as a collection of, you know, the collection of historical art and stuff. And so they'd come in and see their 
piece made up. So mm -hmm. that was interesting. And everywhere that project went to, there was different audiences. And I wanted to record the audience. So when I was displaying the chairs outside, as in London, they were on Waterloo Bridge. <laughs> so I got some guys to help me video the people and how they were seeing the work. And, and then at rush hour time, how all the business people in suits just walk past the work without even looking at it, <laughs> <laughs> rushing to get home. So it was very much about the response of the audience in the environment. And, and it just opens up to a wider, a wider group. I love that idea too. So now that you can't play in halls, but you could, well, why don't we go to so-and-so and set, set up our stall there and do an impromptu performance and get some feedback and record it, record the mm. public response, res have someone recording it. That's a really nice idea. Yeah. In fact, we did that a couple of times already this semester. We went out outside yeah. because that's the only place where we can play with more than two people at a time right now yeah. and we had lots of people just stop or come out of their houses and come and listen to us and yeah. at some point I did and we were we were doing a little jam session I asked what should we improvise about give us an idea but the people there it was it was a very wealthy area of Freiburg, and I think they were too well-mannered to say anything. <laughs> right. I think you need so, to go further afield then. <laughs> yep. I think you're right. That's definitely... Maybe it's like a, pro a project. Of the project. Um, but you know that you, you may, may say, right, we're going to pick three or four locations this semester, and we're going to travel to them. And, you know, we're going to go, we're going to, you know, go to some places that people will be in shock when they see you playing classical music. It'd be great to see the response there. I love that idea. You know, yeah. yeah. Where people will be surprised. And as I say, mixing, mixing music genres is quite interesting as well. Right. Yeah. So, Yeah. Stella, thank you so, so much for this really amazing, interesting conversation. Oh, thank you. I've loved it. Thank you for listening to Out of Rich Darkness. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take the time to leave us a review so that more people can find us. You can help us grow our community of positive change by engaging with us. What's on your mind? Who should we talk to next? We'd love to hear from you on social media.